All of the five A's are important, of course, but affection is how we experience true belonging. Hello, this is Christine Bates in Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to episode 136 of the Deep South Drama podcast being released on September 18th, 2021. We're discussing today the aspect of affection in the series on mindful loving. So just a reminder, these talks are coming from some articles that I wrote several years ago, back when my friend Karen Moran and I were leading a class in mindful parenting. It was structured around the five A's of mindful loving that were introduced by Dave Rico, R-I-C-H-O, in his book, How to Be an Adult in Relationships. The five A's of mindful loving are attention, acceptance, appreciation, affection, and allowing. This uh, topic, the fourth of the five aspects, being affection. Now, relative to the other four aspects, uh, Rico's book doesn't go on very long to introduce this topic, or at least not as I remember it. The emphasis in the book was mainly on the fact that when we're talking about affection, we're talking about the importance of safe, non-exploitive physical contact when we talk about affection. So, you know, cuddling, holding, hugging uh, can be tickling when it's done uh, safely and appropriately. But I've been surprised as I mulled over this topic um, that I found that it it grew for me. It grew beyond just only the focus on safety. The safety is the foundation, of course. But um, on one hand, it was pretty easy to segue from the focus on appreciation to affection because there, there seems to be this sort of natural overlap. But on the other hand, there is a key element that affection offers a growing child. Um, It can even offer to a well-established adult. And that element is a sense of belonging. We may have great appreciation for lots of people, even people we don't know. Some of our most influential benefactors may be people that we have not met or nor will we ever meet. But at the personal level, we cannot honestly claim in them a sense of belonging. Not in quite the same sort of, um, in the same sort of animal fashion that we do those that we can physically uh, touch. We may have great appreciation for the way that people's work in the world has enriched our lives, whether it's their writing or music or their service. We might write a fan letter with expressions of gratitude and appreciation, but 
affection, real true affection, were we to offer those expressions, would not be received with the same type of openness, nor are they taken very seriously. Right. An expression of appreciation is a thank you, even when offered to a stranger. But a uh, expressions of affection offered to a stranger are not so much a thank you as a bid for more of themselves than they have already given. So expressions of affection are mostly, uh, most appropriately given and received between people who who have a sense of belonging to each other in some important personal way. Now, I'm going to segue for a little mini sidebar here to say that when we talk about belonging to people or people belonging to, uh, to us, this maybe isn't a strictly Buddhist uh, framework when we talk about that. But when we're just talking about that sense of affinity, that sense of even our karmic relationships that have, have brought us together with people, we can understand them in that way, a sense of belonging, not a sense of possession. So affection between people also signals degrees of belonging. So for example, and of course we have to kind of imagine ourselves back before the pandemic when, um, when physical affection um, was maybe not quite so interrupted by concerns about safety. But in general, people in support groups, for example, they might offer a brief but warm hug, right, that signals a valuable and appropriate sense of belonging, um, a belonging to that group of people who are coming together to solve a similar problem, um, and, and, and people that, that have that sense of really understanding each other very well because they wrestle with some of the same problems. That level of affection, which could be relatively mild in intensity for many people, can be absolutely life-saving at crucial times in our lives. But if that hug goes on for too long or or just any, anything about it doesn't feel quite uh, lighthearted, then one or the other person can start to feel very unsafe. And that's because the level of belonging that we may experience in a support group um, is different in degree from that level of belonging that we experience in a deep friendship or family or coupleship. And if our expressions of affection don't match the level of belonging that we actually feel, then that just doesn't feel good. So we can see there's sort of a vetting of degrees of involvement, even in our relationship with pets. Even a very affectionate dog has to sniff out a new person for a little bit before licking their hand. Now that testing may be brief, but there still is some testing before belonging is granted. And for us to be willing to receive that affection from a dog or puppy, we too generally need some evidence that the interaction is going to be safe for us too. Between people, genuine affection requires a sense of safety and permission before it can be truly an aspect of mindful loving. 
even the youngest child needs to have the sense that they have the permission to decline or sort of wind down an expression of of affection whenever he or she feels ready to. This is partly why violations of a child's physical boundaries through physical or sexual abuse or other types of objectification are so confusing and so wounding. For a child, it may be hard to put into words the difference between feeling enmeshed by another person who doesn't respect boundaries and feeling the genuine communication of warmth, respect, and communion, aka belonging, that can happen through physical contact. But just because the child may struggle to put that difference into words does not mean that he does not feel that difference. It's also important to mention that failing to offer safe and warm physical contact is a violation of boundaries in the form of neglect. It's a failure to give the child the sense of belonging that is needed for emotional development, for brain development. How and when warm contact is offered is moderated by our attention to what is needed and welcomed by our particular child or loved one at any particular time. Sometimes you can have a parent that has this urge to give a hug after announcing the consequences of a negative behavior, right? And that is because the parent is feeling anxious about any sort of breach in connection. The parent's trying to make themselves feel better right away. I will tell you, it would be a rare child who wants a hug right after hearing that they're not going to be allowed to hang out with their friends for a week. That's just not usually, in most cases, realistic. And in fact, not many of us adults want a hug right after being confronted by a loved one about anything. We might need just a minute. But we all, children and adults alike, we often welcome signs of affection a little later when we come around to expressing remorse or when we come around to expressing understanding or a sense of acceptance like, yes, I I understand why you needed to confront me about that. Or even maybe if I don't understand, I can respect your request and honor it. And, you know, adolescents are often the butt of jokes as they begin to request to have boundaries around public displays of affection from their parents and siblings. Now, you know, of course, sometimes they make that request skillfully or sometimes it's unskillful. But this is not because those youngsters don't still need a sense of belonging to their families but because out in public, it's really appropriate for them to begin to signal their availability to belong to others in a larger world. If a family is unwilling or unable to respect those boundaries in public, or even shames a youngster about that healthy wish to be free to signal their readiness to connect to a larger world, that child runs a very real risk of not being perceived by their peers as available to be part of a peer group. 
Another topic around this is that kids need to see us love ourselves too. When we're talking about affection, one of the things that um, in our culture, there is, you know, self-aggrandizing. There's a lot of self-aggrandizing in our culture, and that is the near enemy of genuine self-regard. It's both the near enemy and a poor substitute for genuine self-regard, right? So one of the most accessible and valuable ways to practice affection for ourselves is the practice of meditation. At the heart of affection, at the heart of belonging, is that sense of being with, right? So when we are practicing meditation, we are practicing that willingness to be with ourselves, whatever the mood is, whatever feelings we're having, whatever whatever judgments we may have or not have about ourselves. To And then by contrast, the avoidance of meditation is, bottom line, a refusal to be with ourselves. Until we have begun to train the mind a bit, we often have good reason to find it difficult to sit with ourselves, right? We can have legitimate dread of sitting there and listening to how we talk to ourselves. But the more we practice meditation, we're practicing being a good friend to ourselves by deliberately cultivating thoughts and other actions that are more supportive. Our children need to see that growing up doesn't have to be dreadful and that it does not have to be lonely, even though growing up involves just inevitable losses and failures. Our children need to see that the experiences of loss or failure that are part of every life do not have to be followed by hours, days, years of self-recrimination, self-pity, or self-blame. They need to see that it's possible for us to continue to be a good friend to ourselves even when things are hard even in times that we decide that we want to do some things differently. And that is a form of practicing affection toward ourselves. That sense of belonging that we want to have with others. We also want to have that sense of allowing ourselves back into our own good graces if we are struggling in some way. We grow in our confidence that we can face whatever difficult things when we can be assured that we will be facing it with a friend, with someone who's on our side. So a, a healthy family who offers these five A's pretty consistently and who offers plenty of affection sort of gives us, helps install that sense that we will always have someone on our side, even when things get rough. But even if we did not have a lot of that in the beginning of our lives, we can give it to ourselves through our mindfulness practice. Meditation is largely about developing a friendship to ourselves and our experiences. Through learning to be present in the moment, we become aware of a sense of affection available to us just in walking through the world. 
We can experience the warmth of the sun or a cooling breeze on our cheek as just a caress of reminder that we are a part of nature. Being fully here to receive these experiences of affection help us access a sense of belonging to all of life, which we can then offer to our loved ones, including children, in a more organic way. Let's just give ourselves just a minute to be with ourselves in that affectionate manner. You are always welcome to join Deep South Dharma for a live practice group. Those are occurring these days on Mondays, 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time. You can pick up the Zoom link and join us at deepsouthdharma.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.